Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we've learned not to repeat the same jokes again and again. Apparently, you can hear us. It's obvious they're just not that funny. It's the middle of winter, so obviously it's time to start talking about heat waves and weather catastrophes. Apparently, SME business owners don't care about how brokers earn their income. So obviously, we're still talking about commissions. And much like jokes about echoes, we've got more court ruling stories that just keep repeating themselves. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by senior journalists Miranda Maxwell and Bernice Han, editor John Deeks, and chairman Terry McMullen. Hello, Terry. Hello, You're sitting right next to me. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you very much. Here we are in Brisbane, and it's my birthday. Mm. <laughs> what a present. What a present. Good morning, Miranda. Good morning. Do you ever feel that you're forced to repeat yourself time after time? Well, it is a bit Groundhog Day at times, so yes. <laughs> Hi, Bernice. Hi, Andrew, and happy birthday, Terry. <laughs> Thank you. What do you think is the most repetitive topic in the industry at the moment? So many things I could just rattle off by better not. <laughs> <laughs> and hello, John. Hello. Speaking of repeating things, do you ever go back and listen to old Insight podcasts? No, I haven't done that. I do listen to the uh, the current one before it goes live, just to check we haven't made any blunders. But no, I haven't, I haven't gone back to old ones. Personally, I have them all dubbed into Esperanto. That one is just for Terry. So, John, somehow we're still talking about broker commissions and transparency. I thought the quality of advice review had put this issue to bed. Yes, that's right. Well, so did probably a lot of people. So the reason we're still talking about this and writing about it is because there's going to be a change to the broker code of practice, which we've reported on. And the code currently says, this is section 6.1 of the code, says that if brokers are arranging insurance for uh, an individual or a small business, then they must declare that they're getting commissions if they're getting commissions and also the amount of that commission. Now, the change to the code is removing the small business element there. And the code will now say that this only applies if brokers are dealing with retail clients. Now, the logic behind that is that expanding that recommendation to small businesses apparently made it very complex for some brokers. And the quality of advice review, as you say, is now completed, and that focused purely on retail customers. So, so the theory here is it's quite complicated, and there's no need for us to go beyond retail customers because the quality of advice review doesn't. So that change is going to be made. The trouble is that some people haven't reacted very well to that change. We've got consumer groups saying it's a winding back of commitments and it's not very impressive from NEBA to be changing the code so quickly. We've got Michelle Levy, who was the quality of advice reviewer, saying that, well, yes, my review does focus on retail customers, but that's just because that's what the terms of reference were. She says her recommendations should really apply to small businesses too. And, and why wouldn't brokers disclose commissions to small businesses? So, um, yeah, it's all getting very interesting. Neighbors come back and said, well, look, small businesses can be retail customers if they're buying retail products. And also many brokers do declare commissions of their own volition to their small business clients. But you would assume that a lot aren't. Otherwise, people wouldn't have had an issue with 6.1 as it as it stood. And yeah, that's as brief a summary as I could offer you. Well, what do you think, Terry? If the small business clients aren't interested in how much brokers are earning commissions, 
Why should anyone else care? Well, for starters, who says that small business clients aren't interested? It's pretty hard to be interested in something that you never get to see. I do think that Phil Kewen has has done a, a really good job to put the the whole thing together. It's a shame that we've had a, a one-year delay. And I I also think that, that Phil is is probably the most experienced person in the country when it comes to negotiating these sorts of things. And I am aware of the amount of pressure he has come under from some broking groups, not the ones that you might normally think of, by the way. But I, I think that, that this is a, a compromise that, oh, look, it's 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 not going to help anybody feel positive about the eventual code, which is which is a shame. Benice, underwriting agency incubator Rodian has just announced its first agency launch. Uh, yeah, that's right. So uh, if our listeners can recall, we had a uh, breaking news in February on Rodian's launch and its plans to create and incubate Australian underwriting agencies. So here it is, Halo Underwriting, the first of many that Rodian is expecting to roll out uh, in the months ahead. ahead. And uh, we've been told next up on the list is an accident and health agency. So with Halo Underwriting, it is a property and liability agency backed by Lloyds. So basically, the agency is focusing on hard-to-place property and liability risk solutions aimed at the SME and uh, mid-market segments. So um, they are starting with two products, uh, an industrial specialist and the other is a general liability uh, product. So and they're already looking to plan a third product soon. And we're, we're told that it would be a business package, uh, again, also aimed at the SMEs and the mid-market uh, segments. Yeah. Well, new agencies are popping up all over the place, Terry. Haven't all the niches been filled yet? Good question. I'm actually up here in Brisbane. One thing I am doing while I'm here is is attending the Underwriting Agencies Council Expo tomorrow. And I'm a a little bit amazed by the fact that they have 115 different underwriting agencies appearing when just a few years ago it was around the 50s they thought was a pretty good figure. And we've also seen this year the huge number of brokers who attend these things. So they are really becoming more and more popular as to whether they're, you know, have have all the, the niches been filled yet. These guys are niche specialists. That's that's what they do. Well, Miranda, Risk Frontiers has published some interesting views on the catastrophic weather of the past few years. So with all the climate models suggesting we're returning to El Nino after three La Ninas, Risk Frontiers has weighed up what this means for Australia this summer. I'm still trying to keep up with all these climate influences, ENSO, IOD, SAM, the MJO. And now climate scientist Stuart Browning has added another one, the SSW or Sudden Stratospheric Warming, which I hadn't heard of before. Um, This apparently is fairly common in the Northern Hemisphere, but extremely rare in the Southern Hemisphere. It was only ever seen in 2002. And then suddenly in September 2019, this very rare SSW was detected, meaning temperatures rose quickly after a reversal of westerly winds in the polar vortex. And that increased frontal activity in Southeast Australia. So Mr Browning reckons it's this that made the black summer bushfire conditions so unusual. He says the SSW was the rare black swan event. And as we know, we had billions in catastrophe claims 
sense. Luckily, he's saying the chance of another SSW is very small, maybe even only once in every 300 years. So perhaps more something for our great-grandkids to worry about. And even if we do have bushfires this summer, it won't be as ca- catastrophic as four years ago. Well, I've just learned how to put that squiggly line over the top of the O. But I get the feeling we're going to be talking about El Nino a lot over the next few months, John. Yes, I think we probably will do. After that black summer of 2019-20, I think people are just much more aware of the fire risks after you know the, that, that season was just so widespread and so devastating. It's worth noting that, of course, we're not officially in an El Nino yet, at least not according to our Bureau of Meteorology. Other countries have have declared an El Nino, the US and Japan and, and, and others, I believe. But our our um, the way we measure it here must be slightly different. But of course, when you look back to those black summer bushfires, it's worth remembering that it wasn't an El Nino year that, that at that point. So goodness knows what it would, would have been like if it had been. The last El Nino declared by the Bureau here was in 2015. 16. So you have to go back a little while. Uh, Of course, El Nino does lead to much warmer and drier conditions in theory. So we could see bushfires uh, this summer, but it's it's not an exact science. We never really know exactly what's going to happen. All we can do really as an insurance industry and as business owners and homeowners is, is be prepared. Well, Bernice, we've reported on a rather terrifying court case featuring a loaded gun being pointed at someone's head. Tell us more about this one. Yeah, so I'm going to make it as terrifying as possible. So um, basically, there's this armed security guard. He claimed for a psychiatric injury, including PTSD and a major depressive disorder. Uh, he said it happened after his colleague pointed a loaded gun at his face when they were both on duty um, sometime in June 2014. So they were waiting for in their vehicle for a, a truck that they were to escort when he said without any apparent reason, his colleague put this loaded .38 Smith & Wesson firearm out of his holster and pointed at his, at his head for 10 to 15 seconds. So he had only been on the job for one month uh, with Staff Factory, the employer, when the, when the incident happened. So um, he sued for his mental injuries, um, claiming his employer breached his duty of care uh, by failing to carry out sufficient background checks on the colleague and for failing to enforce policies and procedures relating to gun safety. So um, he brought the lawsuit against the Victoria Work Cover Authority, um, the compulsory workplace insurer, because uh, the guard's employer was deregistered before the proceeding. So um, initially, the Victorian Supreme Court dismissed his claim and then he sought leave to appeal to the Court of uh, Appeal and that and last month, uh, his appeal was dismissed. So basically, the court found that the, his colleague's actions were entirely disconnected from the role that he was required to perform as a security guard. Yeah, I hope I made it terrifying. Sorry. <laughs> I wonder if his colleague said, are you looking at me? I don't see anyone else here. But this is not the only court ruling we've reported on recently, John, is it? No, we regularly cover court judgments and, and, and cases, and they're some of our most popular stories. Recently, we've reported on a case involving a company in Sydney where uh, a, forklift, a forklift truck driver was was filmed giving children children rides in the bucket of the forklift, uh, lifting them up and down during the school holidays. And uh, that company was fined $6,000. That's a forking bad idea. Yes. 
Yeah, the company was fined, and uh, I assume you know workplace insurers might uh, be interested in that kind of thing. So we had another one, which was a judicial review of a New South Wales Personal Injury Commission determination, which was all about apportioning blame after a woman walked into a road and her foot was run over by a bus. The Motor Accident Injuries Act provides for payment of statutory benefits for loss of earnings and medical expenses for people injured in such accidents for a period of 26 weeks. But for those payments to go on longer, the contributory negligence of the person has to be greater than 61%. So this was all an argument over the percentage of fault when that woman stepped in in front of the the driver's path. Uh, We had another one which was about a coal mining equipment specialist whose workers misjudged the height of a bridge crashing into it while transporting an excavator. And that argument was all about whether the insurance company should cover that claim because there were exclusion clauses around definitions, including, you know, whether it was actually on a work site at the time it was being transported and whether it was a tool of of trade. So, yeah, we have a wide variety of cases that come up. And uh, if you check onto our website, you'll be able to find them all for some pretty interesting reading. Well, finally, Miranda, NTI's latest truck raffle has concluded. Who drove Daphne home and how much was raised? Lucky winner was Queenslander Peter Rodney. He got to drive Daphne, the restored lava orange 1954 Chevrolet pickup truck home. There were 30,000 entries this year and NTI raised $580,000 for motor neuron disease research, which was the most of all the six trucks that has raffled, which it does in honour of its uh, CEO, Wayne Patterson. He passed away with MND. So all up, NTI has now raised more than $2 million for the cause in six years. Last year, it it raffled a state-of-the-art motorhome. This year, it brought Daphne home from a US farm and gave the Chevrolet a full makeover. And we can see from demand from the tickets, they did a fantastic job this year as usual. Well, unfortunately, you've missed out again, Terry. Finding out on your birthday can't be great. But the main thing is the charity won. Yeah, well, the main thing to me is I didn't win. But (laughs) never mind. I don't really need an orange truck named Daphne in my life anyway. (laughs) It just sounds very confusing. So, no, it is a great charity. And NTI has done an extraordinary job of fundraising over uh, the previous years all in memory of their former CEO, Wayne Patterson, who was a truly remarkable man. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Miranda Maxwell, John Deeks, Bernice Han and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Inside Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, on all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.